FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of FinTech Hunting. We are in for an amazing treat today. We have not one, but two industry titans, gurus who know the mortgage industry. Uh, the first is a capital markets consultant, a publisher of a daily mortgage news and commentary. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rob Chrisman to the show. Our second Thank guest. You, Thank you, Rob. It's great to have you. Our second guest is the CEO and founder of Incelerate. Comes with a wealth of industry knowledge and background. Uh, welcome, Josh Friend. Thank you. Guys, it is, it is great to have you. We just wrapped up Memorial Day weekend. Why don't you kind of start with kind of giving us kind of a mortgage market update of where are things now that we just came out of this holiday weekend? Uh, some states are starting to open up. The economy is trying to pick up a little bit. Share with us your guys' insight of where you see things in the market right now. I'll let Rob uh, start. Well, <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll let Rob polite. So you got more uh, more, yeah, more will, knowledge than I do. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, yeah, Michael, it'd be good if you uh, said, "Let's start with uh, Rob," or "Let's start with Josh." So I will uh, I will jump in. You know the uh, the as we wound up 2019 and headed into 2020, the mortgage world was uh, in great shape. We had low rates, pipelines were filling up, and uh, a lot of companies were were firing on all cylinders. And then March hit, of course, and uh, sent parts of the industry reeling, uh, especially the capital market side of things, with the volatility that we saw and the Fed stepping in and, and buying mortgage-backed securities. And so forth. No, no real need to rehash all of that. So, fast forward to, to you know, end of May, early June, and I'll say that the uh, a lot of companies are doing very well right now. The some of the P and L volatility that we saw in previous months has has gone away. <clears throat> May is shaping up to be a very profitable month and and a good volume month for a lot of lenders that I've spoken to. And the general feeling is that rates are going to stay low for quite some time. So overall, it's still a very, very good time to be in the industry. Uh, it's certainly a good time to be an originator. Uh, and the uh, uh, things are looking good. The, the big question mark, of course, is is home purchases and what what will happen with those. Uh, and Josh, uh, you you can probably weigh in on on what you're hearing with your clients about types of volume that they're seeing and how they are getting the, the volume that they are. Yeah, no, I, I think Rob, um, as you said, we, we came into this year, everyone was really firing all cylinders. We had a, uh, the, the market hiccup, if you will. Um, what we're seeing coming out of this is, you know, we saw lenders, some lenders had major cash crunches um, because of their pipeline and because of margin calls. Um, and then, uh, speaking of a lot of those lenders, they've come out of it now through May, uh, they've taken those hits and they have actually, you know, executed even, 
uh, say higher gains and, and, and higher gains are in sale on the most recent pipeline. So they've been able to recover from that and then also rebuild the balance sheets, which has been good to see that in such a quick, you know, uh, you know, 30 to 60 day turn. So we're seeing lenders with um, capital, more capital than they had going into the market and um, really looking at two things. One is how's the purchase market? What's it going to happen? Right. One's, uh, you know, what's the, what do those numbers look like? And we, you know, we have been seeing purchase volume pick up. Um, I know last week, last few weeks has been rising. Uh, just still with the ongoing, the reality is we still have a housing shortage. There may not have been as many people looking for homes the last few months, but there's still a housing shortage. So uh, we, you know, we really see the housing market picks back up and I think we won't lose too many strides because it's still a high demand for housing. Um, and lenders have a lot of cash right now. So uh, we've been seeing a lot of lenders really trying to spend more time and money and technology. And, and really uh, what's been interesting this year is seeing so many lenders look at consumer direct lending, um, you know, because of where the market's at. And, you know, when people are staying at home, how do you keep loan officers busy if you can't go out and, you know, get referral business? And, you know, that's that's been a change we've been seeing over the last, let's say, 60 to 90 days that lenders are really starting to figure out how to take advantage of the, these low rates in the marketplace right now as well. Great feedback, guys. So, Rob, what does lending look like for the rest of 2020? What are some of the observations or some of the key things that people should be looking for as we move past you know, the Memorial Day weekend, we we look past the spring buying season. What are some things that lenders can look for uh, and some key indicators going forward? Well, the the lenders, I'm not, not saying anything earth shattering here, groundbreaking, but lenders lenders are focused on product, price, and service as they have been, as, as every service industry has been from day one. So if you look at the price that's out there, i.e. rates, rates are expected to stay low for several months, if not into 2021, if not maybe even 2022. The MBA, for example, is forecasting 0% Fed funds for a few years. So rate and price aren't are not a huge issue out there. When we talk about products and service, that's where companies are uh, differentiating themselves to some extent. Products that are out there, Jenny, Fannie, Freddie, uh, the old standbys, the industry is seeing changes with regard to underwriting guidelines. Those changes could continue. The industry is expecting the, the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau to weigh in on non-QM versus QM, um, a proposed uh, proposed new differentiation sometime in mid-June. At this point, it was supposed to be May, but now it's supposed to be mid-June. And so that is uh, on the horizon. <clears throat> the industry is also waiting for correspondent lenders to renew their full line of jumbo products, which vanished in March. And so a lot of people are hoping that comes back and then with regard to service, once again, I'll, I'll kind of turn that over to, to Josh here. But the, uh, you know, at some point, the refis will quiet down and, and it won't be so easy to pick the low-hanging fruit. And it'll require some effort on the parts of companies and the parts of individuals 
uh, with regard to service and with regard to capturing customers. But I'll, like I said, I'll let Josh address that. Yeah, I mean, Rob, it's a good point on, on the service side. You know, what we're seeing, um, you know, I think this move to uh, the term digital mortgage, maybe it was like three years ago, four years ago, was kind of the the, the rave of the, of the industry was, you know, how do you do a digital mortgage? And this whole new uh, industry of point-of-sale solutions came out, or a group of point-of-sale solutions came out, which is really a way to take a better application online. Um, we're seeing that trend really speed up right now. Uh, the amount of lenders that we are working with that are really um, trying to improve that service level. To, to your point, Rob, you're right. You know, it's we, we sell a commodity in this industry for the most part, um, and services where you know lenders really differentiate themselves is you know customer acquisition and service. So whether that's how quickly you close loans, um, how well you communicate to your customers during the process. Um, how easy the transaction is. So what I'd be looking for if I'm a lender um, for the rest of this year and going into 2021 is how do you speed up that digital mortgage uh, transaction? You know, are your borrowers still, you know, signing sets of disclosures two and three times? Are they still um, scanning individual pay stubs or bank statements? Are you <laughs> communicating them on a timely manner, or is that still something that's left to a loan officer to have to give them updates? Um, are you reaching out to your borrowers and when it's the right time to reach out to the borrowers? Are you engaging with them uh, properly, right? You know, don't you know if you're someone just bought a house, you're not messaging them the next week about you know buying homes, but maybe you're messaging them about um, thank you for the loan, and in the future, how can we help you? So really this kind of uh, focus on how we deal with customers um, has really has sped up. You know, this uh, everyone working from home and being virtual really forced lenders to address, okay, well, how do we now really work with people in a digital world? How do we track this? How do we um, report on this? Um, and how do we stay in communication with our borrowers? So I think the service thing is um, something that for lenders right now really need to be picking up on and speeding up on their process because in a year or two, if you're a lender, out there and you don't have all these digital tools put in place, a borrower is not going to want to go do business with you. It's going to be much more difficult, much more cumbersome, and it's going to be hard to recapture. So we really see the race on uh, in technology. You know, we had said, if you're going to be in the mortgage business uh, in 2025, you have to be, you know, completely digital. I think that's, you know, if you want to be in the mortgage business in a big way in 2025, you have to be completely digital. I think the last two months has probably sped it up by a year or two probably like 2023. If you can't, you know, next two years, if you don't really put in some serious technology into your platform, um, lenders are really going to be missing out. And that's really what we see right now is how do you get better customer service and how do we use technology to do that? So let, let's drill a little bit deeper into that as, as we talk technology. And, and Rob, I'll send this over to you first. What do you see as technology's role in providing that better customer service? Where is technology? What are the biggest pain points right now that lenders are trying to use technology to solve? You talk to a ton of lenders out there. You have a great pulse in the industry. What are some of the things you're seeing? Well, what I'm seeing is the a, a just such a, a a wide abundance, such a plethora. <laughs> I love plethora. Uh, of choices and of options and of, and of products that are out there, the question isn't 
uh, you know, are we going to do something is, is who are we going to partner up with in order to do it? Here's what we need. And we've got a dozen choices, a dozen options here uh, with which to, 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 you know, to partner with and to, to figure out how we want to move forward. And so vendor management has become critical in trying to figure out which vendor is going to fit in, which which product will talk to the other products that lenders have and so forth. So it isn't isn't a matter of, gosh, I wish somebody would design a new CRM or I wish somebody would design a new hedging company or a new hedging method. It is what is what is going to work best for us, what is going to be the best fit from a character perspective. You know what I mean there's there's a personality fit uh between vendors and lenders. And so what I'm seeing out there are are lenders that are, uh, you know, everybody's busy, you know, pipelines are full, but the more far-sighted lenders who are out there, who continue, they are continuing to look at at options in terms of technology, and trying to figure out what is going to work best with their loan officers because you might have the best, you know, vendor, you know, Michael, Josh, and Rob's product might be the most whiz bang, scientifically advanced least expensive thing out there but if we can't market it and we can't convince companies to have their loan officers take a look at it and convince those loan officers loan officers that it will be of great use to them then it's not doing anybody any good so it's almost a how am I going to educate lenders what what do lenders need to know about the product offering uh, and then take that information and, and relay it to originators who can say, yeah, we can use this. It's not going to be, you know, your grandmother giving you a, a Scrabble when you're seven years old and having the Scrabble game sit on the shelf for 10 or 20 years, you know, because it's a great game. But unless you can use it, unless you can really, you know, figure out how to how to play with it and use it and, and what use of it, what use you'll get out of it, It'll just sit on the shelf. Same with same with technology. Great insights, Robin. And Josh, I'm going to go continue to go down the technology route. But one yeah. thing I, I want to ask you about is how has your background from your lending experience, being a loan officer, hiring thousands of loan officers, how have you used that to be able to create products that actually lenders really use and benefit from? I, you know, I, I read the headlines out there. You've got a client who went from nine million a month in origination volume to over 308 million in less than two years. You've got another client who is significantly outperforming national averages for loan officer production. How has your mortgage background helped you deliver more powerful and impactful solutions? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, you know, kind of uh, combining what Rob said, which is there is a, uh, you know, the, your, your term, you like plethora of options out there when it comes to mortgage technology. Um, and kind of in the beginning of it, you, you know, said that integrations with other bits of technology is what's really important uh, and within these mortgage companies. I, I think how does my background help with our current lenders first um kind of the genesis of the software we built was originally uh, for ourselves uh, 10 years ago the original platform and to rob's point the reason we built it was is we did not have integrated solutions between los a phone system a crm a marketing platform 
and a servicing platform. Those data didn't talk to one another. Uh, most of the technology that's out there in the mortgage industry is really, really old, right? You know, we all know LMA, market leader in the LOS. Um, you're using software that's over 20 plus years, right? So they have software in their system that was built in the 90s. Um, so it's just it's just older technology. So having that ability to do integrations with everything was really, really important. So I think to, to step one, Michael, is we understand the, uh, understood the challenges of having consistent data so you can have cons, uh, consistent view and manage your company through one platform. So that was kind of the, like the first step of we understand the struggle of operating a mortgage company to have visibility in what's what's going on in real in, in um, real time. When it came to the loan officer, you know, it, to Rob, your point, you could have the best piece of technology, but if it doesn't get used, it doesn't then, it, then it's not effective. It doesn't matter. You know, we often say this: the best technology doesn't always win. It's a technology that gets used that win, right? You know, beta and VHS is a great example of that beta is a better format of watching a movie, but VHS won because there's more VHS available. So how do we get loan officers and what, you know, how do we really um, focus on that? Well, it started with the foundation of the company because our lead programmer originally sat on the sales floor with 50 loan officers for a year and a half. So in real time, when loan officers were interacting with the platform, if we said, gee, why don't they use this feature? We could actually just in real time ask them, why don't you use this feature? And they could describe, well, maybe the button's not in the right place or I don't like that feature, it would be better if it was this, and we could actually test that in real time, make a change, and then actually get feedback from the sales floor. So what, what helped us the most with getting loan officers to use the platform was actually working very diligently with the loan officers, right? Understanding their day, understanding what they're trying to do, understanding like repetitive tasks. For example, uh, you know, we would see a lot of loan officers uh, in a call center when they would take a call from someone, they would go to like Zillow to look up the value of the home. They'd also go to Google Earth and type in the address so they want to see a picture of the home. When they're talking to the customer, they're doing these things. Well, we noticed that this was an action that happened over and over again. Actually, our lead programmer did and said, hey, Josh, we went in and built in a button. So now all I have to do is hit a button and it pulls up the Zillow Valley and they hit a button and pulls up the Google Earth picture. So it was just watching real-time feedback with loan officers, actually seeing what they do so we can minimize the keystrokes, right? How do you watch what they do in real time, get their feedback. Um, and you know, a lot of technology, people build technology and they give it to people and they say, this is what you should go use. And then if they don't use it, they think it's the user's fault, right? We've taken the approach that, you know, how do we go to the user and figure out if they're not using the tool, you know, are we not giving them the right training on how to use the tool? Do they not see value in the tool or is the tool just not something that's usable and we need to rebuild it? So it's really feedback. I mean, we really, we really work with our lenders and our loan officers and just the years of experience of working with those teams to see how they get used technologies, what's really driven the product. Well, I think that is critical because so many times you see the new shiny object come out and it's someone who's gonna revolutionize mortgage technology and they have a better way to do mortgage and they've never processed a loan. They've never underwritten a loan. They've never done anything in the capital markets. And then they wonder why they struggle with adoption. So I really love your approach of saying, hey, been in the industry we've sat there we've talked to them and now we want to provide tools and solutions that a loan officer is going to benefit from rob one thing i, I want to ask you is we've all been in the mortgage industry now 20 some plus years I'm, I'm dating myself a little and i apologize to you guys if i dated you guys a little there but the industry for a long time has very been very transaction focused that mortgage for that loan for that individual 
and I think technology was very limited by that. I see that it's now starting to open up more to more of the relationship with the borrower because the borrower over the life of, of the course of their life, they may get seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 different loans. So what are some of the things you're seeing from it going from transaction-based to more of that relationship and more of that borrower-centric instead of just loan-centric? The uh, I, I think that the last two or three months have, have once again proven that uh, despite lenders offering products over the internet. Um, the the industry is still a, a you know a, either a real handshake or a virtual handshake kind of business. Uh, I just don't see it going the way of uh, booking a flight on a Southwest Air, on Southwest Airlines or uh, renting a car online. It is. Uh, you know, when you, when you talk to when you talk to realtors, when you talk to financial planners, when you talk to somebody who's uh, who, whose compensation, whose income is based on making sure that the deal closes or a loan closes, the odds of them just telling the borrower to, to go to a search engine and type in mortgage, um, you know, it just doesn't happen. There, there's always somebody there referring a client to. And we've been reminded of that through the ups and downs and the, and the volatility and the uncertainty that we've seen here since mid-March in the mortgage banking industry that uh, borrowers need somebody to rely on. And so that's what, <clears throat> that's what I, I've seen. It's just, a, just a, a reminder of how important it is for especially a new, new first-time homebuyer who doesn't, has never gotten a loan uh, all the way to somebody who's done 12 loans. Uh, somebody who's done 12 loans probably has a favorite loan officer. They're not just going to type in mortgage on the on the internet. And somebody who is just starting out buying their first home, they have so many questions that they want somebody that they can call up and say, you know, what's an escrow holdback? How long does an appraisal take? Uh, what is a discount point? They they want that kind of information. And yeah, it's available on the internet, but they but they like hearing it from somebody. So that's I'm I'm seeing that going on out there. Great feedback. And Josh, as we talk about that, I think that really emphasizes the point of how important engagement is. So yeah. what are some of the things you had mentioned it earlier, you know, frequency, strategy behind it, having content? Could you expand a little bit about how you can leverage technology to enhance these relationships through proper engagement? Yeah, I think, you know, um, to Rob's point, people want to make a relationship. You want to do business with the people you like and trust. Um, and, you know, consumers, for the average American consumer, um, buying a home or refinancing their home is the largest financial transaction they're ever going to deal with, right? So they do want to talk to people. They want advice. They want connection. So, you know, back to, I think, maybe even the the, the beginning part of this conversation, which is um, how do you really help those customers? It's It's two things, service and communication. So first, service from the very beginning involves how easy is the transaction, um, how easy is it for them to apply, and then on top of that, it's how often are you communicating with them, right? Are you uh, staying in contact with your customers during the process? Are you giving them information, letting them know how long the appraisal, how long they should expect until the appraiser contacts them? Or once the appraisal's in, or once the loan's been approved, are you letting them know of what the transaction is moving forward? 
So if you're constantly creating those um, communication strategies with your customers first and just in the process of the transaction, you're going to have a higher customer satisfaction level, right? So people, you can't communicate uh, enough to borrowers when they're trying to get their loan. Because to your point, Rob, I'm buying a house. I'm a first-time home buyer. I have questions, right? This isn't just renting a car. It's not. It's not like you said. It's not. I'm not just renting a Ford Explorer. I'm. I'm buying a home. I don't know what like an escrow holdback is, or what. What. What if I pay discount points, or if I close on the fifth versus the the twenty-fifth? Why is my upfront payment different? Those are all questions people have. So just that communication, I think, is huge. So what we see lenders doing is having an engagement platform that can communicate to your borrowers and it's automated. So lenders who are relying on loan officers to know when to contact someone, right? What's the right thing to say? Those are, those are the strategies that don't work, right? You want to have best practices. You know, every borrower should be communicated uh, at certain, at the same point because it's, it's the same borrower journey. So using a platform and technology that will actually communicate to those folks has become very powerful. Um, now, what we've seen recently in this change that's even gone a little bit beyond this is it used to just be, you know, it's email. Hey, can you email market those people? And there's these great email platforms out there. Lots of companies that call themselves uh, CRMs or marketing platforms that have email. And they email customers things about, you know, the mortgage. That's changed, right? So it went from emails as being this new way to communicate to people. And then the last handful of years, text messaging's become powerful. Right, so we're seeing email, then text messaging. Now we're kind of seeing going beyond that. Now we're seeing social media, which we know is very powerful. We're seeing things like ringless voicemail. We're seeing engagement in things like direct mail. You know, we're showing, seeing lenders show up in their Facebook feeds, Instagram feeds. That's like the next wave, and that's you know where our platform is helping lenders is just how do you stay in contact with all your consumers in these different journeys? So from you know during the transaction to past the transaction. Um, you know, you want to stay in front of your borrowers with relevant messaging. So you can show up in things like a Facebook feed after six months after they've um, bought a home. And it could be something simple saying, you know, mortgage checkup or uh, how to take cash out to, re, um, you know, put a pool in the backyard. Relevant messaging around that borrower's journey. So we're really seeing uh, lenders engage with consumers across multiple channels because now if you're a consumer and I'm doing a loan with you or I've done a loan with you in the past or I'm looking to do a loan with you. If I start seeing your brand in different places, you become, uh, uh, you know, big in my eyes and someone I can trust um, versus just you email me every day. And, you know, I've become someone that I block in my email inbox. So we're really seeing lenders use new tools and technology to follow, follow their borrowers around. Uh, we've all experienced it. We've all shopped online for something. And next thing you know, we see that bike that we looked at. It's in, you know, our Facebook feed, Instagram feed, it's, uh, and we're looking at a web page. There's an ad for the bike we looked at. Those are similar technologies that we see lenders using, like with our platform, that's helping them stay in front of their customers. That's the big thing we've seen. It's just you now have this big data, and now you can engage with these customers for life. Well, I, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's so critical. It's that combination of how do you foster and build those relationships and how can you leverage technology to stay in front of them consistently so things don't fall through the cracks? Guys, you have given a ton of great points, insights. I know our listeners are going to go back and take a bunch of notes from this as we wrap up. Rob, is there anything you want to kind of end with? Any kind of information that you see, you know, that you're going to be looking for, monitoring in the industry uh, these next coming uh, weeks and months ahead as we wrap up uh, and wind down through? 
2020? What are some of the key indicators you'll be watching? Um, well, let's not talk about winding down 2020 quite yet. It's only <laughs> still got ways to go. Fair uh, enough. And, and the what I'm what I I think it's important for for listeners to keep in mind is that there are going to be a lot of statistics. There are always a lot of statistics with this industry, and there are a lot of statistics talking about home sales being down, purchases being down, et cetera. I think it's important for people to remember that it's a statistics always uh, present different different or different ways to there are different ways to look at the same statistic and what we what we're seeing so far is that people still want to own a home prices are not tanking home prices are not deteriorating and in fact there's still bidding wars going on out there and so perhaps uh what we're seeing is kind of a timeout uh and so people who wanted to own a home to buy a home in january and february early march they still want to buy a home it's just a matter of how and who they use and uh at what price and a lot of the inventory numbers point to the fact that inventory is low and that's why home sales are low it's not it's not because people don't want to buy a house it's because there's not a lot of houses on the market for sale and the houses that are selling at this point uh, as we speak are uh, the, the prices are solid. So I think it's important to remember that you'll see headlines about, oh, home price or uh, home sales are down, volume is down. But it's important to remember that, that people still want to own a home and to remember to take a, you know, take a uh, uh, careful look at some of those statistics that we'll be seeing. Great point. Josh, what are some of the things you're looking for um, and, and key indicators you'll be watching going forward? Um, I, I think to Rob's uh, first new home sales and home sales, um, to, to Rob's point, eh, from the data we've seen, there there is actually a low dem, a low inventory out there. So that still is really going to, I think, bode well for home sales. And people do want to own homes. And with rates as low as they are, the affordability becomes um, – you know, much easier for people to afford homes with these low pay, uh, payments. So we do see home sales and that, you know, picking back up and they already have, um, there's already, you know, we've already seen increased activity in home sales and there are bidding wars going on right now. So that's definitely a good thing for just the overall housing market. The, the other thing that we're looking at is the sheer amount of refinance opportunity that's out there versus the capacity of our industry. So what I'd be looking for in lenders right now is this next, you know, 12 to 18 months, there's much more demand um, for a new mortgage and there will be capacity for us to actually supply that mortgage. So in our industry, you know, I think, uh, Rob, I think we talked about this before. I think our biggest year was 2.4 trillion, 2.7 trillion. I think they think maybe the upper capacity as an industry, we could handle 3 trillion of refinances. Well, I think available refinances out there based off of interest rates are, you know, before this pandemic, right when it started, it was like around the $8 trillion mark. I'm not sure where it's at today. So what I do know is it's well above what our current capacity is as an industry. So what I'd really be looking at is um, lenders to really be focusing on efficiencies right now, because there's going to be a lot of loans out there in the next 12 to 18 months. I mean, we're talking to lenders who have like 30 minute hold times. You know, I have a lender who, told me, gee, Josh, I missed 180 phone calls last Thursday. You know, of my current borrowers calling in for a new, uh, a new loan. I had to 
go to the call center and had take take messages and call those people back. So I would be working, you know, really focused on the, the the efficiencies, and that's what I'd be looking at right now is how do you take advantage of all this this low interest rate environment. Gentlemen, great insights. You guys are welcome back anytime. You always provide so much great insight, so much great quality content. Thank you for being guests on FinTech Hunting. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Michael. FinTech Hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow.